What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and today we have a good one. You guys keep asking. I see the comments. When are we getting our strategy videos, our zero RB videos, our legendary running back videos, the comparing ADP and home leagues versus underdog? And I promise it's all on the way. I've been hiding the bangers from you guys because I'm waiting for the algorithm to get to the right spot when things start boiling up. And we're here. We're ripping off the band-aid. I have a banger for you guys today. We are going to talk through my three favorite running backs in 2023 to hit that legendary upside season we've been talking about each of the last two years. Now, in terms of legendary running backs, you can be like, Ron, what does that even mean? Like, what is legendary upside? And it's a theory made by Pat Kareen. He has a website and a YouTube channel, Legendary Upside, that he's made. He does amazing stuff. We had him on the channel last Thursday. That's what that thumbnail is. We did a, some drafts. We talked to legendary running backs. He is amazing. He won Best Mania 3 last year, won $2 million up top, like, one of the best in the space. We're going to talk through his theory of legendary running backs, which is your crazy, crazy Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Todd Gurley, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara in 2020 type seasons, where even if your league taco ends up with one of these running backs on their team, they can win it all just riding the coattails of these players, just like crazy dominant seasons. So we're going to talk through what legendary upside is. We're going to talk through some of the running backs of the past and then try and put that on the 2023 season and talk through my three most likely candidates to have that monstrous, monstrous season in 2023 in each of those first three rounds. So stay tuned. If you enjoy, make sure you're down below, subscribe, leave a like. Let's go. So again, this article was made by Pat Kareen in 2021 and I think it still holds up really well today and it's still something I would say I form my entire draft strategy around it is this article it is the idea of the dead zone running backs and it's the idea by Sean Siegel to win your flex draft wide receivers through your flex and then some so when we talk about legendary upside Pat sort of outlined that the whole idea of chasing legendary running backs, right? Don't draft an early round running back without legendary upside. And what he means by that is running backs are inherently very risky. Now, he used win rate data, which is going to come from best ball leagues. Your average win rate is 8.3%, one divided by 12. So players that had a lower than 5% win rate, he declared as a bust, which means they take your win rate and almost half it, right? So of course, if you have this player on your team, it's probably sinking your odds. And when we see in the first three rounds, Round one, RB has over a 40% bust rate, whereas wide receivers are more in the 25% area. Uh, round two, they're about even. We can talk about that another day in terms of wide receivers and running backs kind of closing the gap there. And then round three, again, wide receivers busting way more of the time, 35% to running backs like 15%. So we can pretty clearly see here in the first three rounds, running backs are a way riskier bet than the wide receivers. So if you draft a running back early, he better have a leg up on the wide receivers. And the only way you could have a leg up on the wide receivers is if you have access to that massive legendary upside that Pat Crane coined in this article. And when we look here at the win rates, you can see why running backs have a leg up on the wide receivers, right? Since, or no, this isn't the one, this is the one. Since 27, or since 2015, there's only been this many legendary seasons. He defined a legendary win rate season as a 20% win rate or better, right? So that's doubling your implied win rate, right? 8.3% times two is like 16.6%. Add some more 20% plus win rate. So these are guys who are just drafting them on your team, right? If you just drafted Christian McCaffrey in 2019, you had a 36.9% chance of winning your league. 
That's absolutely insane. That's like, what, eight times five? It's a little bit under eight times five. It's like quadrupling your chances to win a league by drafting McCaffrey in 2019. We want to be chasing these seasons because that's where they have a leg up on the wider series, right? We look here. You only have Julio Jones and Antonio Brown in 15 and 17, just barely scraping 20%. You have Travis Kelsey in 2020, and then the rest are all running backs with only running backs having a 25% win rate or better. So running backs are giving you that massive, massive ceiling. And the whole idea of his article, this is what it boils down to. Running backs in rounds one through three are risky bets. So if you're going to take one over a wide receiver, he better have a higher ceiling than a wide receiver with access to this 20% plus win rate upside. And that's the whole idea. Now, when we define a legendary win rate season, 20% win rate's a little bit dodgy because you have like best ball win rates in the mix. But Le'Veon Bell had the lowest points per game on this list with a 22.8 point per game season in 2017. So what I define as a legendary running back season in full PPR is a running back season with 22.5 or more points per game. And we can see that over the last five seasons, this trend kind of holds true, where in terms of just clearing 20 points per game, it's really close between running back and wide receiver over the last five years, right? 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. But when it comes to the, those 22.5 plus point per game seasons, running back is almost tripling what wide receiver has done over the last five years. So that's kind of what we're seeing here in practice is running backs are risky early on. Wide receivers can pretty much match them in that 20 point per game area. You need that next gear to justify taking a running back early over a wide receiver to get you into that legendary point per game range of 22.5 plus. Now, the goal of this video is to find this year's 22.5 plus point per game running back. The issue is there hasn't been one since Pat posted this article, he posted this article in 2021. We have not had a 22.5 plus point per game RB season since 2020, which was Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara. So we're essentially hunting for Bigfoot here. There is no guarantee of a legendary running back season in 2023. We haven't had a 22.5 plus point per game magnitude running back season since 2020, over two years. But if there is one this year, and it's not crazy to say that there could be one this year, I want to be on top of that. Just because we haven't seen one the last two years doesn't mean I'm still not going to chase that huge, huge type of season. Now, we can see wide receivers have kind of started to close the gap here, where since 2019, there's been three legendary running back seasons, three legendary wide receiver seasons in terms of 22.5 plus points per game. That's also a small sample, only the last few years. I assume we kind of look over the entire sample, right? Since 2010, legendary running back seasons, there weren't any in 2012, there weren't any in 2015. Like, it's not unheard of to go through a dry... Uh, spell right so, like 2012 through 2015 there were only two legendary running back seasons that was a four-year stretch over the last four years since 2022 we've had three legendary running back seasons 22.5 plus so this this era win right now reminds me a lot of 2012 through 2015 where I think that those were the draft classes of like your Bishop Sankey's uh, and your Giovanni Bernard's like those were not good draft classes and then of course 2017 came around with your Kamara and Kareem Hunt and Fournette and McCaffrey and that's how you get that 2018 of five but I think 2018 kind of spoiled us 22.5 plus point per game season that running back are rare like they just are outside of 2018 there's only been two max since 2010 in terms of running backs that have hit this criteria of 22.5 plus points per game or more so these are pretty rare things across the board it's not rare to have a dry spell. I don't think it's – I think it's about the same chance of having a legendary running back season as there is in any given year. Uh, we're getting better running backs coming into the NFL right now where we have, like, Bijan and Gibbs. Like, there's a lot of excitement right now. And 
if there is a legendary running back season, I want to be on top of it this season. So with that said, I wanted to zoom out and look at all legendary running back seasons since 2010. So these are running back seasons with 22.5 plus points per game since 2010. I wanted to zoom out and get a bigger sample so we can kind of take away some things. I sort of tested them through some stats to sort of see what does a 22.5 plus point per game season at running back look like in terms of efficiency, volume, age, all of that. And just to kind of show that like since 2010, the trend is pretty much the same. 20 plus point per game at wide receiver, about even, and then running backs again, almost tripling up on the wide receivers when it comes to that next level of 22.5 plus points per game. So when we look here, this criteria, meaning 22.5 or more points per game, we have 17 such seasons since 2010. We have, I'm going to read through them all for the audio listeners out there. We have Arian Foster in 2010, Arian Foster again in 2011. These are, by the way, sorted by points per game in their given season, and then each season uh, since then. So Arian Foster in 2010, Arian Foster 2011, Ray Rice in 2011, no legendary running back in 2012. Then we had Jamal Charles. Then we had Le'Veon Bell. Then we had no legendary running back in 2015. Then we had Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson in 2016. You had Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell in 2017. Todd Gurley, Saquon, McCaffrey, Kamara, Melvin Gordon in 2018. That was five running backs. Then you had McCaffrey in 2019. Then Kamara in 2020. Davin Cook in 2020. And this is a loaded screenshot. Those are the players listed. We have the first sort of section, which is player info, which is going to be your uh, name, your season that you did it in, your team, your age, your ADP. I'll be honest, your ADP pre-2017 gets pretty rough, but I tried my best in terms of searching up uh, old high stakes leagues and like fantasy calculator and kind of came together uh, an average ADP there. And then we have the volume, right? So this is weighted opportunities per game, which is just your carries plus targets, but there's a weight on the targets to kind of offset, you know, a target is worth like, I think like over two X as much as a carry in fantasy. So that kind of accounts for that. You have your targets per game. So just your pass catching upside, your receiving upside. Then we have efficiency. Fantasy points over expected per game is a stat by Rotoviz, which just takes into account your expected points per game, which is based on your attempts, your targets, your volume overall. How many points should you be scoring? Your FPOE per game is how much are you over or under producing on that volume on a per game basis. These massive, massive seasons, you can see across the board, they all have, except for, I think, Le'Veon Bell in 2017, they all have positive FPOE per games. They're all ultra, ultra efficient. If you're going to have one of these massive seasons, you're going to have to be efficient. And I also wanted to test, and it actually came back pretty strongly, is your previous high FPOE per game. So did you flash high efficiency ceiling before your legendary season? And for all of these guys, besides Le'Veon Bell pretty much and McCaffrey in his second year, they all had previous highs uh, of like 2.5 or more FPOE per game. So they all flashed early in their careers, a high efficiency ceiling. And then we have uh, miscellaneous, which was it this first, was it this player's first 20 plus point per game season? So just like, are we just getting repeat running backs every year or is there kind of new guys to the crop? A lot of yeses and nos, about 50 50 there. So I would say it's pretty inconclusive in terms of like a running back, if he's never done it before, can do it in this year. And if he has done it, before doesn't necessarily make him more likely to do it again if that makes sense like your your previous record of hitting 20 plus point per game seasons doesn't really matter and then we have team environment which is your offensive points for so were you on a good offense were you scoring points your pff run blocking grade uh so was your offensive line good and then qb rush attempts per game is your qb taking away from your volume so we came up with some of these that actually felt like they correlated and I came up with an average across the bottom of what your average legendary running back season looks like. And on average, they are 23.9 uh, years old. 
they are averaging 21.1 weighted opportunities per game, 6.8 targets per game, 3.5 FPOE per game. They have a previous season of 3.2 FPOE per game. Uh, they are on the uh, on a top 10 offense, on like a top 12 PFF run blocking unit, and their quarterback has under three rush attempts per game. So that's just a rough sort of look at what we're looking at. And I think that this is a better representation of kind of what that chart and what that table does for us. And it breaks down the components of a 22.5 plus point per game running back since 2010. We have a 17 running back sample. 100% of them were drafted in the first three rounds. So you're not going to find these type of players in the 10th round or later. 94% of them were 25 years old or younger. 94% of them had 18 or more weighted opportunities per game. 94% of them had five tar targets or more per game. 82% were on top 12 scoring offenses. 82% had less than five quarterback rush attempts per game on their team. And 81% of them had a previous FPOE per game of 2.5 or better before hitting that legendary running back season. And I kept it anything that I could find that was over 80% of the population just to kind of break it down in a simple way of just almost a checklist of things that you are looking for when we are pretty much hunting for Bigfoot here, trying to find the next legendary running back. Now, when we apply this to 2023, this is where things get a little bit complicated, fellas. We have every running back that is drafted in the top three rounds on underdog here. And we have them uh, ordered by ADP, or no, they're ordered by their weighted total, which we'll get into in a second. Now, of course, the first uh, row is going to be top 36 ADP, so that's just going to be uh, your underdog ADP. 25 years old or younger, so I just have all their ages. Uh, now, this is where it gets tricky. For 18-plus weighted opportunities per game, 5-plus targets per game, top 12 scoring offenses, and QB rush attempts per game, I went to Mike Clay's projections on ESPN, and I pretty much found everything that he has them projected for and put it in here. So I found how many weighted opportunities per game he has each of these guys projected for, how many are targets per game, how, how, uh, what their points for in terms of their offenses ranked at, and put it all into this list so we can kind of see where they're all projecting and then we also have their previous FPOE per game, 2.5 plus or better. I have all of them listed, uh, their previous high FPOE per game seasons. And we pretty much get this list where I greened any box that met the criteria and I yellowed any that were really close. And what I did was I pretty much came up with a simple total where if you have a green in your little player table, right? So Eckler has green uh, top 36 ADP, green five plus targets per game, green top 12 scoring offense, green less than five QB rush attempts per game, and green previous FPOE per game of 2.5 or better. What happens is, is I take every green and count that as one. Every yellow is 0.5. So Eckler comes out to 5.5, McCaffrey 5.5, uh, Bijan is five, Brees is five. And it's just how many of the criteria are they ch checking off? And now this is where it gets a little bit more complicated. The weighted total is a little bit more uh, weird, but it's just to kind of uh, weight things out. So if you have a green in the top 36 ADP, you get 10. If you have a green for 25 years old or younger, you get 9.4, right? So just the percent, 9.4, 9.4, then 8.2, 8.2, 8.1. And then the yellows in each of those are just half of it. So 9.4, half of 9.4 is 4.7. Then after that, 8.2, half of 8.2 is 4.1. And that's your weighted total. So just kind of a way of making it a little bit more nuanced and separating players by their values. And we can kind of see how things break here now of course we have Eckler CMC at the top which makes sense they are the obvious picks uh, I'll be honest I'm a little bit hesitant to say that Eckler has uh, a legendary season in his bag at this point 
Last year, he had over 100 catches and 18 touchdowns, and he still couldn't crack that 22.5 plus point per game area. So I'm hesitant, especially this point in his career. He's 28. I just don't know that he has his career best season. Can he still have a 20 plus point per game season? Pretty easily. Should he still be a first round pick? Probably. Now, after that, we have McCaffrey, who we've seen it before. I'm fine with the the ceiling for him is just a matter of volume. I think he can get there efficiency-wise and he can get there reception-wise. Just going to come down to uh, how much volume they give to him versus Elijah Mitchell. If Elijah Mitchell gets hurt, McCaffrey can probably be penciled in for 25 or more points per game. After that is where it gets a little bit more shaky. Now, on the other side of the uh, like table here, I want to talk about the guys who are really low on the list. Uh, we have JT who is pretty low here, only four in terms of simple total, and it kind of makes sense. And ever since doing this, I've been a little bit lower on jo- or on Jonathan Taylor, where he's going to be on a projectably bad offense, right? So he is on the 26th or 28th scoring offense, according to Mike Clay here. Yeah, 28th. We know the receiving upside isn't there. Uh, Anthony Richardson's going to be there. And the issue is that Anthony Richardson, to me, is going to take a lot of the touchdowns. Like, I would say, in terms of touchdown share, like, if JT has... 12 touchdowns it wouldn't shock me if Anthony Richardson had like eight or nine like I think Richardson's going to take a lot away on the goal line and when we're talking through legendary upside it's going to be tough for Taylor to catch five or more tar- or command five or more targets per game with a scrambling quarterback and I think it's going to be tough for him to really put up like he's going to need a ton of touchdowns to get there I think it's going to be tough when Richardson is vulturing him at the goal line uh we'll also see this put some cold water on my Ramondre stuff uh, and it makes sense, though. You know, he is on a projectively bad offense, which is ranked 29th in points four, according to Mike Clay. Uh, he's never hit that FPOE per game mark of 2.5 or better, but I will say he's kind of just had bad touchdown luck the last two years. Uh, the receiving upside is there, but it's going to be really tough for Ramondre to get to like 18 or more weighted opportunities per game when Belichick hasn't really committed to a bell count. Now, I'm still drafting Ramondre in like the late third, uh, mid-third, which is where he's been going recently with all the Leonard Fournette stuff, but it's a little bit sobering to see these numbers. Now, we also have Nick Chubb. He's already 28. He would need a Jamal Charles-like late breakout here. Uh, he lacks the receiving upside. You have more QB rushing than you like to admit with the 6.1 uh, QB rush attempts per game, according to Mike Clay and his projections. But I am kind of optimistic on Nick Chubb. I just drafted him in our high-stakes stream on Saturday. Uh, I don't hate him as a second-round pick. I do think that if there was ever a year for him to hit that huge efficiency ceiling and actually catch passes, it would be this year. Uh, I imagine the Browns pass for more pass attempts than we've ever seen. Uh in Nick Chubb's career on the Browns. And I also think Nick Chubb probably catches more passes than he's ever caught in his career on the Browns. You have no Kareem Hunt. He's going to run a lot more routes. They should have more goal line opportunities. I think the offense is going to be a lot better this year. They're going to open things up, pass the ball more. So I'm excited about Nick Chubb. But I think none of those bottom three are like obvious, obvious legendary running back uh, breakout candidates. So with that being said, we have gone through why we like legendary running backs again. Running backs are very fragile bets in the first three rounds. If you're going to bet on one, you need to have the upside to outscore every wide receiver in that range, or else you're making a suboptimal pick. It should be a wide receiver early, unless if you're drafting a running back that you believe can be the RB1 overall in scoring and give you 22.5 plus points per game to not only separate himself from the rest of the running backs, but separate himself from every flex position in fantasy football. You need that type of ceiling. So we're going to talk through three running backs, one in each round that I like to hit that 22.5 plus point per game mark this year. And first up, we have Bijan. He's the most premium of the bunch. He's going in the first round, right? When we look at that ADP, he's going 9.8 off the board on underdog. And by the way, if you're new here, 
right? If you just found this video, you're not an underdog yet. What are you doing? Make sure you check out underdog. I have a link down below in the description and a link down below in the comment section below pinned at the top. Click the link. It'll take you to underdog fantasy. It'll use my promo code Ron. It will match your first deposit up to hundred dollars and you can hop in there and draft whichever of these running backs you think has legendary upside. You can go draft them. You can draft your Bijan Robinson. You can draft the two guys we're going to talk about in a second, but it's amazing. They have, I believe a rake free Pomeranian, but super flex out right now. Rake free is a beautiful thing. A lot of these sites are scrimming like 12% off the top underdog is amazing that's why we're sponsored with them is they remove rake for these like beginner friendly contests so i'm telling you this contest is going to fill very soon hop on underdog use promo code ron have some fun mess around with some of their tournaments you can kind of get accustomed to how adp should be and you can get some nice values on these legendary running backs so with bees on robinson i love him as a bet where when we talked earlier right where we talked about kind of like what the landscape of running back has been this period of like 22, 21 reminds me a lot of 2012 through 2015. And what happened was as 2017 came around, the rookie running backs came in and they completely revamped the position. And that's what I love Bijan as. He is a great bet against the current landscape. This current landscape has not given us, given us a legendary running back since 2020. A lot of them are old. They're dusty. Why not bet on the fresh legs to come in and just absolutely smash in year one he comes in as the highest drafted running back prospect since saquon he's an absolute stud by the way saquon when he came in had a 24 point per game season which would have been a legendary running back season higher than both eckler and jt's rb1 seasons last two years by like two or three points per game he had an amazing amazing year and mike clay is known now you guys might be like ron why are you using mike clay's projections well he does the espn projection stuff i think he's a really smart guy and he's very non-biased and conservative to me he is a very good look at kind of the masses median like i was talking with jacob sanderson about it he's pretty much the boomer median where you know your your guys who are a little bit more conservative a little bit less open-minded look at what the baseline projection is for each of these players now he's very very conservative he has jsn as his wide receiver 42 right now but he has Bijan really high 17.7 weighted opportunities per game is in that yellow spot of just shy of 18 he is just shy as well of that target number of 4.6 targets per game and this is a rookie running back that he has slated pretty much squarely in like that Eckler CMC range of like 17.5 to 18 weighted opportunities per game he's going to get fed he's going to get volume which is really really solid especially because he has the receiving profile we're looking at or we're looking for right when we look at Bijan's prospect profile here his college target share is pretty crazy 77th percentile 10% for a guy who is 5'11 215 runs a 4'4 drafted eighth overall like the guy is just a purebred stud that I want to bet on and he is penciled in for that kind of volume in week one and we've seen rookie running backs get better as the year goes on so we can get that volume early on and then hit a crazy efficiency ceiling down the stretch the same way that Jonathan Taylor did where Jonathan Taylor started out slow I think Bijan will come out the gates hot but I think that he could really find his groove down the stretch of the season and almost like his projections lead more towards beginning of the season and then as the year goes on, he could get more volume. He could be more efficient. Now, we have no efficiency to go off of in terms of our, our checklist here, right? He's top 36 ADP, 25 years or younger. He's flirting with 18 weighted opportunities per game and five targets per game. Uh, the scoring offense is going to be a little bit of an issue. But he's a rookie, so we don't have any FPOE per game to go off of. But I have, I'm very comfortable betting on a rookie with fresh legs to come in and be efficient. We've seen rookie running backs do that, uh, you know. 4-4 speed, a ton of pedigree. I'll bet on that. And now the offense shouldn't be a high-scoring offense, but it's going to be very, very efficient. This is PFF's seventh-best offensive line, and they were the third-best rush efficiency team last year, according to Football Outsiders. 
despite a backfield of Tyler Algier, Cordero Patterson, and Huntley. They had an awful running back room last year, and Arthur Smith is actually, for as much as you can say, you know, he uses Kyle Pitts wrong and everything, as a run game coordinator, he's almost like Kyle Shannon in the way that he is very good at setting up running back efficiency and setting up a good offense around the run game. So you're going to get Bijan Robinson in the center of this. Like, if, if those guys could be efficient in this run game, Bijan is going to be absolutely electric here. He can catch passes. The only concerns are really just Desmond Ritter rushing more than Mike Clay is projecting and Desmond Ritter holding this offense back. But I do think an offense, a Bijan, a good O-line, the passing weapons they have, they should be good to go. Bijan Robinson is probably my most drafted first-round player at this point. I love betting on him to have one of these legendary-type seasons. Now, next up, our round two choice to hit a legendary running back season is Tony Pollard. Now, he is the least obvious of the three, right? His simple total, 4.5, weighted total, 39.2, which is a little bit red there. Uh, he didn't stick out when we did this exercise, but if there's one guy that I want to bet on to have that abnormal late career Jamal's Charles legendary season, right? Like if we look at the uh, original list here of just like all of your legendary running back seasons, Jamal Charles is the only one who's over 25. It's actually pretty crazy. Like look at the age column uh, of this table. It is all 25 years or younger since 2010. So the cards are already stacked against us with the age thing, but I think if there's anyone to bet on, it would be Pollard, where he's like that similar profile. Uh, he's that similar profile as your uh, Jamal Charles, where it's like it, it would be his first like big season ever. And he's someone who doesn't have a lot of tread on the tires either, where he hasn't like been super heavily utilized. He's been ultra, ultra efficient. Like if there was one guy that could do the Jamal Charles thing, it would be Tony Pollard. And again, these are thin outcomes, right? One to two every year outside of 2018. So we really have to sort of get imaginative and think about what the ceiling could look like. But outside of age, everything on this list is pretty much fine, right? So he's a top 36 pick, just one year older than the threshold. The volume in terms of Mike Clay's projection isn't really there, but he's going to be on a top offense. His quarterback, Dak, even though people think that he rushes, he doesn't anymore. He's pretty, he's pretty uh, pocket friendly at this point. And he's hit the previous FPOE per game high of 3.7. He crushes everything besides your projected volume and your age, which I'm fine betting on with Tony Pollard. Now, Mike Clay has met 3.6 targets per game, which I think there's a compelling case that he sees more than that, right? Ezekiel Elliott ran 234 routes last year to Pollard's 245. You have to think that Pollard absorbs a big chunk of those routes. And on a per-out basis, he was great last year. He was top 10 in yards per out run, top 10 in receiving grade, top 10 in pass rating when thrown to, top 10 in yards per reception. He's an efficient pass catcher. He commands volume. He's efficient on those targets. And Jacob Sanderson points out a really good point here. Week 11 to 16, Zeke and Pollard each played every game this stretch, right? This was the stretch where Zeke came back from injury. Pollard played over 50% of the snacks, uh, snaps in all but one of those games. He saw 13.8 attempts per game and 4.8 targets per game. He scored 21.4 points per game. He said that's the 2023 ceiling right there, which is kind of like a, a Eckler-Kamara-type type workload we've seen uh, the last few years. Now, the interesting point is, is Jacob points out the 4.8 targets per game. If we add 4.8 targets per game, uh, if we bump up Clay's projection of 3.6 targets per game to 4.8 targets per game, we get the 17.9 weighted opportunities. So we're just shy of 18 oppor uh, weighted opportunities per game, and 4.8 is just shy of 5-plus targets per game, which would have a squarely in the legendary running back upside scenario, right, of just about 18, just about 5. He has enough of an efficiency ceiling to the point where he should be good enough to smash on that volume. So I'm betting on the receiving ceiling because if he hits, we've seen the efficiency. If he hits, it's going to hit in a really big way here. There's no other running backs really taking carries from him in this backfield, right? It's like Malik Davis and Ronald Jones. He is going to be in there 
He's going to catch passes. He's going to be a focal point of this offense. I'm very excited about Tony Pollard. We've seen the talent. We've seen the upside. The efficiency ceiling is there. I think everything is lining up for him to absolutely smash in 2023. I think that he is one of those guys where if he gets the requisite volume, he has the efficiency upside to challenge for one of these legendary running back seasons. Now, our last running back we're going to talk through here, a round three guy. Sadly, I kind of spoiled it earlier uh, by pulling up the picture, but we have Brees Hall. And this one is tough. He could fall out of the third round due to a Dalvin Cook signing. Uh, maybe his injury stuff gets even more negative than it has been recently. But he's somebody I really want to bet on. We had Jacob Sanderson and we had uh, Pat Crane on last Thursday. And I asked both of them, who's going to be this year's legendary running back? And they both said Brees Hall. And these are two guys that I think are some of the sharpest in the space. Uh, and I completely see it. Right? He is a top 36 pick. He's 22 years old. Uh, his quarterback isn't going to have over five rush attempts per game. Last year, he already had 2.7 FPOE per game, so he's already flashy efficiency. He's young. Uh, he's not going to be on. A, he's not projected to be on the top 12 scoring offense. But with Aaron Rodgers, I think that this offense could be in the top 12. It's really not that hard to see. Uh, most of these sports book have the Jets as like a top 10, top 8 team. Uh, and he's floating with five plus po- targets per game, and the opportunities are, ga- are down because of the injury. So that's pretty much what it's going to come down to. Can he get enough of the requisite volume? coming off of the ACL tear. Now, he was put on the, P- the pup uh, like July 20th or something like that. People are pretty freaked out about it. I have to be honest with you guys, I'm not all that scared about this pup report. Uh, like when we look here, the pup players are placed on this list during training camp and count towards the team 90-man roster. Players can be removed from this list at any time during camp but can't be placed back on the pup list. And then later on it says pretty much what the pup list is is that you get placed on it, you don't practice, you come back from the pup, you can't get put back on the pup. Uh, if you don't get taken off of the pup by week one, you can't play until week four. So until 53-man roster cutdowns happen and he remains on the pup heading into week one, it's really not a big deal. I, I think that it was pretty much assumed that this would be the case where he wouldn't practice early on and they would ease him back into the mix uh, to get him ready for week one. And he's still doing no contact stuff on the side. He's just not really participating with the team, which like to me isn't a massive, massive deal. He said Hall isn't ready to return yet, but Salah said he reached 23 miles per hour running off to the side according to this team's or according to the team's GPS tracking data. He said the Jets would slow play it with returning him to practice. Everything we've seen so far, he's bounced back well. He's a 99th percentile athlete. He's bouncing back well. He's already running fast in practice. It's just a precautionary thing, this pup stuff. Until we get to like week one and he's still in the pup, it's not really a huge factor for me. Like, I know it doesn't read well and it doesn't sound good when it's like he's been placed on the physically unable to participate list, but it's really not a huge deal in the grand scheme of things. This was a tweet that was uh, from pretty much right after this happened from uh, our boy Deepak Chona here. Uh, and he said, thinking, here, RB, this post is for you. He said, Brees Hall, data predicts him to be 70% chance he plays for week one, three games to ramp up touches, mildly elevated injury risk, first six games back, explosiveness 85% week one, 90% week six, 95% plus by the end of the season. So the idea is is that he's going to take some time to ramp up, but from like week six on, he should be able to absolutely smash for your team. And I think when we take that risk into account, it's baked into the third round price. If the ACL wasn't there with Brees Hall, he would be a first-round pick and redraft, whatever way you want to cut it. If you want to say early first, fine. If you want to say mid-first, fine. Late first, fine. Whatever. But if he played an entire 17 games last year with no ACL tear, Brees Hall is a first-round pick. So we're getting that discount. The ACL is priced in. That's the beautiful thing about it. The ACL is priced in. Like, he can't be much cheaper given his profile. And the efficiency ceiling here is sky high. I think eventually he gets the opportunity. But when we talk about it, we need the opportunity plus the efficiency for these monstrous, monstrous seasons. And... He showed that last year, right? 2.7 FPOE per game. Uh, before tearing his ACL in week seven, he was the RB8 with 17 points per game. He wasn't even the starting running back until week six, so he was doing it on a low volume. Uh, he didn't even have an 
over 50% snap share until week four. And during those first six weeks, he was behind just Nick Chubb with 14 10 yard or more runs. So he has shown a lot of efficiency. He's shown a lot of target uh, reception upside as well, where he had a ton of targets last year. He is already penciled in for 4.5 per game with Mike Clay. He was at 4.6 last year as a rookie. I think five plus is very much in his range of outcomes here. He's young. There's tons of upside here. Just a matter of what you think about his health. I think by week six, he should be good to go. And we're making money on the back half of the season. I think Brees Hall is a guy who could be like the RB1 in fantasy from week six to week 17, win everybody a lot of money and be an absolute smash this year. It's really going to come down to how you feel about this Aaron Rodgers-led offense. You know, are they going to move the ball and play good offense? And when you think Brees Hall is going to be healthy again, I think all of this is kind of factored in the third round. And when we look here, Brees Hall has the makings of a legendary running back season. It just comes down to the ACL, which I think is priced in, in the third round. So just to kind of recap here, I just want to make sure I'm really driving this point home. Pat Korean, amazing, amazing article. Again, make sure you follow Pat Korean uh, on his Twitter. I think he's just Pat Korean on Twitter. Uh, Legendary Upside on YouTube, legendaryupside.com uh, is his website where he has like articles and everything. It's all really, really good stuff. I'll link it down below. But this is all from an article he wrote in 2021. In my eyes, the best article I've read in fantasy since I've started doing this and one that I still use for my strategy and my teams today. I think it's a really, really good read. I'll probably link it down below. But the whole idea is running backs bust early. Injury, there's a ton of risk there. Players just falling off. Running backs are very risky assets. So you need the reward to offset the risk, which is this 22.5 plus point per game season. So we broke down the components of what a 22.5 plus point per game season looks like and the three running backs I'm targeting with that upside. So I hope you guys enjoyed. A lot of this methodology is included in the Patreon, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart, where we have all of our rankings, top 150 redraft rankings. I have them uh, in a sheet that you can upload directly to Underdog as well. So make sure you check that out, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart for my entire rankings that are kind of geared towards legendary running back and ranked in a way so that if you're taking a running back early, he has monstrous, monstrous upside, or he's a massive value by ADP. So with all that being said, hope you guys enjoyed. This is This feels like one of the first, you know, big really well thought out i had like 10 pages of notes here uh videos of the summer hope you guys enjoyed let me know if uh there's a legendary running back case that you think could be made for any of the running backs i didn't mention in this video uh let me know i'm always curious to hear what you guys thoughts are and as always i will see you guys in the next one